Welcome to Life Play. This is George G. And the time is right. Welcome to today's guest, strong and powerful Colin Hunter. Colin, are you ready to do this? I'm ready to do this, George. Looking forward to it. Yeah. All right. Let's go. Colin is the CEO of Potential Squared International. It's business inspiring leaders by disrupting the way they engage and develop their people. He is the author of Be More Wrong. Colin, excited to have you on. Tell us a little bit about your personal life, some more about your work, why you do what you do. Nice. Thank you, George. Thank you for having me on. Uh, so uh, author of Be More Wrong, the title gives you a lot about my career. Um, I've screwed up more times than I care to admit. <laughs> you know, I realized that screwing up was part of the secret sauce about making yourself successful. Yeah. So um, it helped that I was introduced to IDEO and design thinking. So if you haven't heard of IDEO, largest design agency in the world based out of San Francisco and got to work with them and then suddenly realized that uh, the best way to success was to leave your ego and expertise at the door um, and start to, to put the human at the center of life, design around them, think about them, observe them. Um, and I suddenly found my space. And so that's what I've been doing. And so therefore I travel. Um, you know, we were just having a conversation that I've been in Singapore, been in Tokyo, now in Boston. Um, I live in the UK. I have two daughters. So I describe myself as a father of daughters. Um, so they will always say I travel too much. Uh, but my passion is travel, people, culture. And that leads to me to the work Potential Squared do that we describe it, George, as pl creating playgrounds to disrupt the way people are led. So we use professional actors, we use VR, virtual reality, um, and we, we talk about getting immersions that uh, allow people to, to be themselves, to unpeel, to, to take off some of the masks that they have and learn how to bring that, that true person out um, to not waste energy on being somebody that they, are not in their work. So that's what we do. That's my background. So, yeah. I love it. Allow people to be themselves. So it's a uh, it's fascinating, and and I'm I'm sure that this is one of the main reasons you do the work because human beings are fascinating. So we spend so much time trying to figure out what it is we want to do, and then we get really, really, really good at it. But mm -hmm. then the answer to unlocking the real potential is to put that expertise and that experience and the ego of feeling good about it aside to really step into it. Yeah. And, you know, I I was listening to a book by Mo Godat this morning, um, which is all about happiness. And he talks about ego in the positive sense rather than negative sense. So ego sometimes is seen as arrogance, but he talks about it in the positive sense around, you know, this is what we want to stand for, what we want to be known for um, when we put it out there. So, you know, the unpeeling is an interesting one because if we are to be truly a effective and spend our energy and our lives in the right way, we've got to get back to something that is is not fake. It takes energy to be somebody you're not. But for most of us, we spend most of our life after childhood starting to think about how we lay our teacher tell us uh, understanding. And I was one of those people. Yeah. And it led me to a breakdown when I was 30. Um, led me to sit in a doctor's room uh, who was a family friend and he he shut the door 
he cancelled all the rest of the patients for the next hour and he sat and down and he gave me one of you know the, the most important lessons I've ever had in my life, which was about energy. And he said, you've got to find your source of energy and your source of energy is finding your true self, your passions. And then you've got to take care of your energy as you go through your life. So I spent the rest of my life consciously or unconsciously working on how I distill that into other people's lives and coaching them and about how they do that and how they lead in that, that context as well. Yeah. What an amazing doctor. Yeah. Great. Gus De Silva. Unbelievable. My dad was a doctor, so there was a bit of a connection there, but I love the fact that he just, he knew. Yeah. His gut feel told him that this was an important conversation. And what my biggest regret is I never got the chance to thank him. It's never really came to me till about 10 years and he's passed away. So wherever he is, if he's listening, thank you. Yeah. Thank you, Dr. Gus. Yeah. Find and protect your source of energy. Ego. Um, can it, do you think that, that, that most people, when they hear ego, they have a negative connotation or thought about it? Even the way I said, leave your ego and expertise at the door, you know, ego is built on a lot of the times about the things that other people think are important in life. So your parents, my parents said, go be an accountant, nothing wrong with accountancy, but you know, I was just not, I was not destined to be an accountant, you know, that that's, I tried it eight months. Um, so, you know, there is this piece about that we listen to other people's measurement systems. We adopt their measurement systems of what we think is right. Um, and I think I think this is where we've moved on the ego side is that we've moved to this point where people are, you know, being truly human, putting the human at the center, understanding where you are as a, as a human being. And therefore, we started as mentors, leaders to lead with, you know, Stephen Covey's seek first to understand um, and get to the true person uh, underneath that. And once you've got that, then that's that is it's a source of all power, really, you know, whereas. When we're trying to be somebody we're not and we're listening to other people's advice, um, it's difficult. But people fear experimentation. I think, George, is the key thing. So if you think about it, we like certainty. We like paths. And a lot of the paths are defined for us. And therefore, we take them. We go to college. We go to university in the UK. We then get a first job. Uh, we're normally an apprenticeship. We tend to think that being a leader of people and growing that space is a good thing. But... We're all different. We're all unique individuals and we just, we're all perfectly imperfect. So how do we choose our path that's right for us? Yeah. Yeah. Fascinating, right? There are all these systems that we're measuring ourselves against that we're living under. There's these assumptions and in yeah. nature, you know, when, when an animal is, is an outlier, that's not a good thing for that animal and, you know, in group, out group. So we are really, really conditioned in our DNA and our nurture to just go with the flow a lot of the time. Yeah, it's fight or flight. Yeah. So, you know, when we find something that doesn't, we don't agree with, we tend to reject it. And therefore, most of the great thinkers of their time or the great, you know, change people of their time. Uh, go through those three phases. First is rejection. Second is exploration. And then finally acceptance in there. But that's a tough road to take. And so if you're somebody who is doesn't fit the, the mold of what is seen in front of you as a leader, for example, and the organization doesn't see you as that, then you've got to fight that. And you've got to, to have the resilience to, to take that on. That That is tough. I think that's the, the toughest place. We've all been through a massive change with COVID. 
resilience has come to the forefront. But if you think about just fighting everything that's in front of you that seems to be fighting against you, that takes resilience as well. So that's a lot of the work. Yeah. So it's hard. It yeah. takes a lot of work. So the playground mm. is why? Yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, it's it's an interesting because we started with the concept of laboratory to start with, but then people were going. So you've got you know people in white coats. It's a weird looking <laughs> thing, an analogy, and and even with playgrounds, you know, there's a lot of people who uh, see the context of of the bullying, the playground, the school experience. But but when we started putting a wider context of playgrounds, uh, we started to get this piece that where are people happiest? And that playground could be, you know, from the, the extreme of a gambler who loves going into a poker room and that's their playground. And they love thinking they're working through through to somebody who's hanging off a cliff, you know, by one hand without a rope attached, that's their playground. And for some of us, it's just, it's the intellectual and the nerdy playgrounds that, that we have, but it's where you, you feel you can fall out of your own thinking that that you're pushing and stretching yourself to a limit, but you know there's a safe landing space that's that you can fall, you can fail. And a core principle behind the be more wrong is how do you get into your uh, self this growth mindset piece that failure and uh, is a good thing, and the only way you can progress and stretch wherever you are is to, is to fail. So the playground analogy we took. And then we started to put it into actors. So the actors came in um, and we do this amazing uh, technique called four of theater where we have two actors. So if you've ever seen the comedy show, whose line is it anyway? Sure. Where the comedians are interacting with the audience. It's the same with the actors. So we, we create a playground there to how to have different conversations. Um, and no matter where we go in the world, people will enjoy it beginning the playgrounds crafting there's no perfect conversation but crafting different forms of the conversation there's a playground now in our world of politics and everything else that's going on wouldn't it be great to have a playground where there's no consequences to to finding a different way of speaking up um, speaking out of listening to understand so that's what we do safe place playground yeah we absolutely need to put all of our all of our political leaders on a playground and just see if they can work it out <laughs> <laughs> wouldn't that be a great concept <laughs> yeah it would be just make i mean it... I, I don't... sorry george yeah I, I was just thinking i don't think there's a simple answer to any of those those problems but you know i think the worst case is, is that old analogy doing the same thing and expecting different results is the first sign of madness so we've got to find a way of stretching and changing ourselves and our dialogues and our conversations so why not create playgrounds yeah I imagine it's 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 relative when people are are emotionally ready to be able to step into this kind of a process. Some people it's going to take them chipping away at it. How do you think about that? Yeah, it's interesting because it's cultural as well. So when we're in Asia, for example, you know, it's different, more reticence, more about face, um, and therefore when we were running for a theater, for example. Uh, we were struggling to get people to come forward and have a go in the, the hot seat, as we call it. Uh, but then culturally, one of my colleagues said, I'll tell you what we'll do is we'll play in the cultural norm across there. So we we put a number on under each all of the seats. Yeah? And then we had a bowl with pieces of paper and with numbers on. And we got somebody to choose a number out. And whoever's 
seat had that number on gets into the seat. And of course they were like, yeah, it's fate. That was my number. It's time to get in. So there's different ways to get people in. But what's, what's interesting is we fear something we don't know. But once we're in there and we're playing, and once we've done what we would call a workout, a warm-up, yeah. So we've got to prime people to get into that that space. Um, and so whether it's design thinking, leadership, uh, we need a primer in people's minds to go, okay, I'm ready to play. So it's a bit like going to the gym and a workout. You know, you're going to do your warm-up so you don't hurt yourself. Same for people in there. So whether it's a cultural thing like that, or whether it's design thinking, one of my favorite design thinking warm-ups for getting people in, imagine... 80 investment bankers in a room who are looking at me going, so you're going to teach me design thinking? You know, why the hell do I want to do design thinking? You know? And so you do rock, paper, scissors with them. And you've got 70 people competing against each other on a rock, paper, scissors till you've got two people in the room who have two groups of supporters chanting their names from the back end of it. <laughs> and then you give them an analogy from that. So you warmed up but you had an equal opportunity. You had to leave your ego behind when you supported the person who beat you. And now what we're going to do is give you a process to start design things. So they're warmed up, they're in the playground, then you teach them the design thinking and they're more willing to dive in. So, yeah. What do you think is harder getting kids to follow along or, in, or, 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 or bankers and, and executives? <laughs> <laughs> well, with my daughter, my daughter is my, my eldest daughter is my best coach, George. So um, I think she's given me more wisdom than I've got from most of my coaches and mentors in my life. Uh, so I think for me, the the ability to listen to children is the interesting bit. And I'll, I'll tell you why, because I was coached by a brilliant guy called Jamie Smart, who's written a book called Clarity. And he has this analogy, which he he started a three-day session with me. At the beginning of the three days, he said, on a flip chart, write down everything that's wrong in your life that you want to solve in the three days. So I had three pages of stuff that I wanted to solve in my life, everything, relationships with every family member, business owner. And uh, we did this work, and we got to the end of the three days and came back to the flip chart, and he says, so what's relevant? And none of it was relevant because he has this analogy, which I loved, which he said, as a child, we have a self-correcting mind system. So we are like the Colorado River cutting through rock with power and energy. And then actually, as we grow older, all we do is we get these little bits of frozen thinking coming into our lives. So we start to freeze that power of that river. So most of us, when we get to a certain age, have this little trickle mm. of really free thought, and most of it's frozen. Um, and therefore, the power of cutting through rock is is... Um, is not as easy. So I think it's more difficult on the bankers and executives. Um, but actually, if you can get people to to realize that when they fall out of their own thinking, they're a better decision-maker, human being, and leader, then they suddenly discover this is a perfectly imperfect child that they used to be that had a self-correcting system. And it sounds very psychologist, but it's, it's more fundamental than that. I've got a client, Sarah Gardner, who wouldn't mind... Uh, mind me mentioning, and she posted on LinkedIn just the other day when we were talking about this. But she says she has a picture of her seven-year-old self, and she goes back to reminding how she was in those days because a lot of the stuff that she holds on to restricts her potential. So to answer your question, I think it's more difficult with the adults and the bankers and the senior executives. And therefore, if you can change them, wow, it's powerful. Yeah. What a great metaphor about the river. Um, 
Yeah. And the idea of potential and, and how we, how we self-sabotage and put those dams up, or I think you talked about uh, freezing it, whatever it might be, just that restricts yeah. the flow um, of, of the water in this example. And it's, it's, yeah, I think that that's super helpful to think about that. And if you're able to, to, to get closer to the way that we were when we were seven years old and things were possible and anything was possible and the future was wide open. And that's not silly to think, is it? That's, that's obviously worth, worth exploring. It is. I mean, it, it, you know, the, the, the realization I had was that when I was a, a child, one of my biggest loves was experimentation. So I had two groups of friends and I tried to bring these two groups of friends together because I thought of if I was friends with one set, they would be friends with the other set. So there, you know, let's bring them in. Um, it didn't work out. <laughs> and I, I was at that moment, I was fascinated as a child about that. So if I look back at what I was as a child, as a seven-year-old, 10-year-old, 12-year-old, it's what I do now. It's But I spent all the rest of my teens and early 20s and up to the breakdown trying to be somebody I was not when I suddenly got back to what I was supposed to be doing, what I was was good at and what I had a passion for. Wow. Unfroze my thinking. Yeah. I love it. Mm. I love it. Mm. Closing thoughts, Colin, as, as we're running out of time, we covered a lot of ground, but. Mm-hmm. Closing thoughts. Well, I, I think the, the closing thought for me is that if I have, if I think about it, in my own life, I've got four systems that I need to feed. Yeah. One is relationships. And therefore I think about my echo chamber that I listen to the same voices I tend to be attracted. So I'm trying to break that out. So that's one thought that I've got in my life that has changed my thinking. The second system I've got is energy, my personal energy, whether I'm jet lagged at the moment, whether it's coffee induced, but how do I spiritually, everything else provide my own energy and that source is, is important. And the third system is fresh ideas. So that's what I'm constantly reading new books, listening to podcasts and do a lot of audible work, audible, uh, the book, digital books. Um, and that allows me to grow. And the final system is growth. So if I was to look at one final thought, it's that growth piece. We can't grow unless those other systems are strong or in flow. So we need to, to do our work in those four systems. And if we do that work and it's authentic, then the Colorado River is possible. Yeah cutting into into the rock yeah love it con thank you so much for coming on pardon me where can people learn more about you how can they engage with you where can they get a copy of be more wrong yeah well they can if they want to go to be more wrong.com they can see me there um the second place they can find me is is an interesting place it's the colin hunter so one of my colleagues once said, so what's, who are you? And I said, Colin Hunter. And so she said, do you mean the Colin Hunter? I went, no, just Colin Hunter. And she went, no, the Colin Hunter. And so I took that on as I'm the Colin Hunter and it just gives me energy. So I therefore called it the Colin Hunter. So it's, it's less about ego and more about that story, but that's where they can find me on uh, Instagram. Um, and then I'm also on Twitter. Uh, but LinkedIn is also, you can find me, Colin Hunter, on LinkedIn um, and connect with me there. I'd love to connect with anybody you wanted to. Excellent. Gorgeous. Pleasure. Likewise, if you enjoyed as much as I did, show Colin your appreciation and share today's show with a friend who also appreciates good ideas. 
Go to bemorewrong.com, pick up a copy of the book. Go to the Colin Hunter. It's C-O-L-I-N-H-U-N-T-E-R.com, the Colin Hunter.com, and find him on Instagram and Twitter and LinkedIn. I'll list all those in the notes of the show. Thanks again, Colin. Thank you, George. Pleasure. And until next time, remember, do your part by doing your best.